Well, I sure, I probably better stop my Spotify if I'm going to do this. But I thought I would check this out and see what Restream is like. So this is just a test. It's really just a test. Uh, but we'll see. I better stop this. I don't want to get in trouble. Um, yeah. Hello. Greetings. I don't know if anybody's watching this yet or not, but hello. Dr. Steviano, welcome to this test stream. I wonder what it looks like. I wonder what it looks like. I have no idea. No earthly idea. I guess it's streaming on um, LinkedIn even right now, yeah? Let's take a look. Oh, yeah. Look at that. I'm live on LinkedIn. I don't know if anybody's going to watch this because it's not announced and it's like 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, but anyway, always looking at research and stuff. So I don't know if this is, uh, working or not. Let's see. Can we do the chat overlay? Oh, look at that. That's very cool. We'll see if we get any comments. If anybody's watching, feel free to comment. This is just a test stream. Um, so I don't know if, uh, I don't know what you think of this, the quality of this, or if it's any good, but greetings, this is going to be the new home of in the bin, in the bin podcast, which we all love. Oh yeah. In the bin. You remember this, right? We still have this great, um, this great vibe. The old in the bin theme music, which I own the rights to, so I think I can just broadcast it like this. Live from lovely, livable Jamaica, Queens, New York City, this is in the bin. Your number one source for news and views on debate, argumentation, rhetoric, and oratory, heard around the world and respected by few. I am Dr. Steviano. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. In the bin, anchor.fm slash in the bin, youtube.com slash Steve Yano, twitch.tv slash Sophistic Steve. If you're my Facebook friend, welcome. Thank you for doing me the sympathy of watching this test video. Anyway, feel free to give me a chat. I think I can see all the chats. That's what I'm really curious about is whether or not I can like, um, whether I can see all the chats. So if you feel up to it, Type something in the, oh, thank you, Sarah. Very nice of you. This is what Sarah has to say. Yeah, well, you know, cheers to you. Cheers with uh, hours and hours old coffee. Para tu, gracias, gracias. Excellent. Uh, we're going to see how this goes. We have the, um, in the bin, November 3rd. So mark your calendars for that. In the bin with the Canonical Debate Lab. Be joining us for discussion of uh, epistemic security, which I think is a, well, even if you don't know what it is, it, it just exudes sexiness. Um, I think that, um, I don't want to get too ahead of that, but what I am researching right now is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be writing my NCA paper and working on my NCA presentation. National Communication Association conference is just weeks away. 
November 17th, coming up soon. And uh, I think, God, stop texting me. What the, what the heck? People want to talk to me? No, I'm streaming, bro. Leave me alone. I'm streaming. Stop texting me. Get in the chat, dude. Um, NCA, I'm supposed to be writing this paper about fallacies. And I was working on it earlier. But I am um, super interested now in narratives. This is going to sound so weird. Maybe I shouldn't say it. But I'm so interested in um, narratives and stories about the tradition of bullfighting. So I'm looking at everything I can find about bullfighting here. Because um, I'm just so interested in it. So interested in it. As a metaphor, I don't want to do it. Um, but it has generated so much interesting discourse. And my interest in it is, of course, reengaging a very old debate, a very old debate that I have been writing about for a lot of my career, which is this idea of debate as a game. And a lot of people have written about debate as a game, including myself. And um, the last great panel I was on, debate as a game, I have an audio recording of it somewhere in my uh, archive. And maybe I'll share the audio recording at some point. That was me, John Reef, Matt Brigham. John Reef is from Metropolitan University of Denver, good friend of mine, great friend of In the Bend. Matt Brigham at James Madison University, great friend of the show, great guy. Um, there was another guy on there who's from California and he was just wild. He just like talked about this random, uh, conflict in policy debate, this random theoretical thing in policy debate, which is wild. And then of course the, the big figure missed on that panel today was Jeff Klinger from DePaul who, um, unfortunately, uh, unexpectedly passed away long before his time. Uh, it's still weird to think of uh, Jeff Klinger as not being around anymore. Uh, but he's just like, was just a go-to guy. Like you could be like, hey, here's my idea. And he would be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it out. It's really nice, low-key, the most low-key, chill debate coach you can imagine. And we did this great panel at 2016 NCA on debate as a game because it was, it was the 100th anniversary of the original article, Is Debate Primarily a Game by... Uh, William Holly Davis, who was one of the original founders of NCA. Um, hey, Craig, what's up? Um, yes, it's on Twitch right now, actually, if you want to check it out, twitch.tv slash Steve. if you want to go watch the Twitch stream. You don't have to watch on YouTube. You don't have to watch on Facebook. You don't have to watch on LinkedIn. You don't have to watch on uh, wherever the hell else we're broadcasting. Um, let me ask my intern, Maurice, how many, what platforms are we on? What? I think he might have fallen asleep. Maurice. Hey. Well, as far as I can tell, Twitch, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook so far, 
I wanted to get on Twitter. Had a talk with Elon. Elon is not. Elon's a little worried about what I might say. He's like, I got a brand to protect here. I don't want some crazy um, utterances in my brand. So a little concerned about, there's Elon's jet. You can hear in the background taking off. He's leaving. We just had a chat. A um, uh, little concerned about what I might say. You know, Elon is a conservative guy. He doesn't want to say anything too crazy. I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, you know, great, 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 great. Thanks for the sub. Dear leader, Lorica, appreciate it. Welcome and feel free to watch from anywhere. In the bin, November 3rd, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time. I'm going to create an event. I'm going to uh, publish that. That'll be in the bin on epistemic security with members of the canonical debate lab. Um, just for a little preview, this canonical debate lab. Um, super interesting people. I think, um, yeah, here we go. This is an even better layout. Uh, canonical debate lab, super interesting folks. Um, really really interested in debate as a um a different kind of tool um a decision making tool actually maybe not that different because you know you know my take on the history of debate craig is probably familiar with it the rest of you might not be as familiar with it uh my take on the history of debate is that debate was really kind of destroyed in the 60s when uh you had two people who i really admire um oh wait is showing this okay that's good to know I thought it was just going <laughs> to, maybe if I separate this, will it just show that? No, it still shows the background. Look at that. I don't even show my Spotify. Okay, this is weird. Why is it showing the, I thought it was sharing the window. Let me see if I can figure this out. Let's see if I can figure this out. I just wanted to share one window because I don't want to get in trouble. Okay, there we go. That's good. It's it, That would be, that's a good way to get in trouble, folks, is uh, if you, um, are sharing a, uh, yes, in the bin live. Whoa, bro. Thank you, LinkedIn user. This is just the in the bin test stream. I'll talk about, actually, uh, how about we just make it an AMA? AMA. Let's talk. Let's talk about debate and rhetoric. Let's just, let's just go. Like, what am I doing this afternoon? I've already had two beers accidentally. Uh, I got to do my grading. Uh, and I've got to work on some stuff for class. But, yo, let's go. Let's just AMA it up. Why not? Um, I think that uh, uh, this idea of um, debate as a tool for reasoned decision-making is ubiquitous. It's ubiquitous. And, um, I, you know, you can trace that back. I think that enters the public discourse in, in, in the 1960s with decision by debate, Brock Reedy and Enninger, who are both scholars I admire a lot. But I got to tell you, unpopular NCA opinion, unpopular rhetorician opinion here. I hate that book, man. Like, decision by debate is kind of like, it's like saying that all painting should be representative and show us a more beautiful representation of the fruit in the bowl. Like, I just don't think, I think it's limiting to debate to say debate is a decision-making tool, full stop. Obviously, we use debate a lot of times and very frequently to make decisions and make better decisions. But I just, um, 
I, I just don't like the idea of it being solely that. You even see it today. So Jared Atchison, who's at Wake Forest, he did a, um, uh, what is that? The Learning Tree Company? What is that called? The company where they do the, um, uh, the lectures. They have the professors come in and give the lectures. So you guys know what that what that is called? It's like you can buy CDs from them or streaming content. You can subscribe. I forget what it's called, but it's like, um, it used to be in the Sky Mall. You would look and be like, the best lectures. Oh, great courses. Thank you. Thank you, University. Great courses company, Jared Atchison, Dr. Atchison did one of those. And, you know, he opens it up by saying, you know, the function of debate is to make better decisions. That's why we practice debate. So, I mean, it's a ubiquitous. Khan Academy is a good guess, but I wonder if on uh, Khan Academy they have it. Kirk, we will debate you, Kirk. Oh, this is a very good one. I'm going to put this up on the screen, actually, because we're going to talk about this in a second. This is a great one from Dear Leader Lorca on Twitch. Um, it's kind of related to us talking about, let me finish my thought about this. So, you know, Douglas Enninger, I think is probably the most underrated debate scholar that America's ever produced. Um, his essays are incredible. And I have been assigning his essays for a very long time in my debate and argumentation class. I think he's just brilliant. Like his, his theory of debate and the value of debate and argument and he's kind of bifurcating those things a little bit. A pet peeve of mine is the synonym that we have between argumentation and debate and that as scholars, we don't, we don't distinguish those things. I kind of feel like that's a huge mistake. Uh, I think that there's a lot of interesting traction if we started to think of debate as deserving of its own theoretical backing, not a place where you practice and test argumentation uh, from... Um, uh, from uh, uh, that theory, you know, like the lab to test that theory. I don't know about that. But I do think that um, that decision-making capability is not in early uh, integer stuff. And Wayne Brockerity is super cool in his theorization of argument. Oh my God, like amazing stuff. Uh, I really like them separate. But that book, I think it just kind of bleaches out some of the cooler elements of um, of debate. All right, let's go to this question from uh, Craig here, dear leader Lorca. Is the emergence of debate bros online been beneficial or detrimental to prevailing attitudes about debate? I feel like it's bringing the wrong type of attention. Yeah, I agree. So let's take some of these people um, through some of the through some of the paces. Um, uh, the Twitch stream is available at twitch.tv slash sophistic Steve. I wonder if I can put that up on the screen. Can I can I can I put a lower third or something on here? Um, oh yeah, let's do a, um, yeah, let me do one. I can do a lower, lower third. Join the Twitch chat at twitch.tv slash sophisticsteve. There we go. If you wanna watch on Twitch, but I, am completely um, agnostic to what platform you watch this on. I think it's perfectly fine to watch this on YouTube. Uh, actually, I think I'm a lot more active on YouTube, to be honest, um, to tell you the truth. But um, that's probably the best place to watch would be YouTube. I don't know. But I don't really want to take a position. I feel like if there's a, a, a format that's working well for you as far as watching streaming content, you ought to go check it out on that. 
on that uh, system. So if you like Twitch, go watch on Twitch. If you like YouTube, watch on YouTube. Facebook, I'm trying to figure out how to make it public on Facebook. I don't know how to do that. My friend uh, Meredith does a lot of public Zoom stuff on Facebook. So maybe I should ask her. Because right now it's just showing me, uh, you can your friends can see you on Facebook. And I'm like, not that, um, not that uh, chill about it. Um, so, um, I don't know. Oh, do all three of them look good? Flesh Husk is out there doing the, doing the Lord's work, doing the work of the angels, checking out every stream. Which one looks the best, would you say? From your reporting out there. We'll get that report in a second. But I want to go back to this debate bros question because debate bros are really something. So I wrote about this recently. I was thinking about this. And I just recently, um, oh, that's interesting. What Flesh Hugs says, I responded, Twitch comments the fastest. I think that might be the case. Twitch just might be a little bit quicker. And uh, Facebook is always kind of, I think Facebook is late to the party on live streams, to, to be honest. I mean, Facebook's live streaming is kind of an afterthought. I think they're really into selling you political ads as you look at your photos of your aunt's recent pie or like some boomers responding. You know, that's the thing about Facebook that drives me nuts. Is there a way to turn off these boomer comments? Maybe I follow more boomers than you because I'm like mid-generation X, but is there a way to turn off these boomer comments where there'll be like a page called like sports cars and underoos or something like something's dumb like that. And they'll be like, what's a song that makes you think of your grandpappy. And one of your boomer friends will be like, you know, George Strait or something like that. And then it shows up on my feed. Like, you know, boomer, boomer Joe responded to this post. And I don't care about sports cars and underoos community. I don't subscribe to it. Why is Facebook showing this to me? Just because one of my boomer friends felt bored enough to respond to something like this. It's so dumb. Don't show me that. I do, I do want to see my aunt's pie or what my you know cousins are up to or whatever. That's kind of the function of Facebook. It's like a um some kind of sentient slash demonic family photo album. It's a way like a devil, like Satan has infused your your family photo album. Uh Satan that looks like Mark Zuckerberg. That's what I think of Facebook. Um but I'm only on there because I bought the um they're around here somewhere. I don't know where I put them. Oh yeah. I bought the uh, Meta Meta Ray-Ban glasses, which shoot the videos, and they're so cool. I love these things. I don't use it as, as much as I thought I would, though. I use the Snap Specs a lot more. But I really do like the, the Meta Ray-Bans. I highly recommend them. Not a sponsor. I highly recommend them, though. Um, so, yeah, let's go back to this debate bro comment. I think the, the, the debate bro I like to use an example um, about this, uh, this question that Craig asked. Uh, a little bit ago now is I think that um, when we think about this question, Steven Crowder comes to mind right away. And Steven Crowder is exploiting one of the oldest fallacies in the book, right? One of the oldest fallacies in the book, the ad ignorantum uh, or appeal to ignorance fallacy. And the appeal to ignorance is just that like, uh, I don't like the idea of having burden of proof uh, and I'm going to advance a position, but the way I'm going to advance that position is by you proving me wrong. So when Steven Crowder shows up on a college campus, he's like, I feel like, you know, transgender athletes should not compete in uh, sports that are not their birth assigned gender. Prove me wrong. He's really taking advantage and, and distorting what scholars would say is healthy debate stuff. So the popularity of that 
that's bad. But I do think, I think people are kind of clued into that. There are other people out there like destiny who I think is a means well, but I just don't think there's like the scholarly backing of like how to structure the debate in a way that would mean well. I mean, this is my, my interest in the matador. Cause I feel like, uh, and I'm going to write a paper about this, I think, or maybe, maybe part of a book I've been working on for a while. Like the matador is kind of the emblem of the good debater slaying the, the violent beast by watching it stomp around and laughing at it as it charges at a red cape and not the actual target. So like the matador and the bullfight is like kind of the liberal model for public argumentation, which is a big problem because what happens if you're not part of that culture of the bullfight of the matador? Well, you're going to get sympathy for the bull. And we saw this recently when John Stewart took on the state attorney general of Arkansas. Even though I think she's an idiot, it's easy to see how people would sympathize with that position. I think John Stewart might be the original internet debate bro. But that kind of um, matador attitude, that flourish and that, that kind of um, argumentative style and flourish and strut is distasteful to so many people. So this is the problem when we think about um, debate as, as a game or debate as sport. Another internet debate, bro, um, it, you know, uh, we think about Ben Shapiro. And Ben Shapiro, I don't know, he's more like a traditional journalist to me. I always think about Destiny and Steven Crowder. Those are the two who come to mind for me. Uh, I do think that there's also other people who are doing internet um, debates uh, out there. Uh, on YouTube and other places like this, I feel like uh, that could be modeled a lot better. And and God, I watched the New York uh, state governor's debate last night. I mean, ugh. it's just so bad. Like journalists can't model a debate. They just can't. Journalists cannot model a debate. And uh, it's actually not to the benefit of the way we consume news media um, to model the debate that way good to see this comment Corey pace glad you're up man it's late there huh el matador is a as a nickname you don't sympathize with the bull so this stuff is coming in with my work on the ox herding woodcuts um which i might put up here to show you some of my recent work well it's not actually it's not recent work i lectured on this that lecture is available on youtube um i lectured on this a while ago where i um Find it. Uh, in Hungary, in Budapest, I was invited to um, lecture. And uh, I um, here's my YouTube channel link for those of you interested who aren't watching on YouTube. Check out some of my other videos. Even though you don't like the live stream on there, you can check out other videos there. Um, the ox herding woodcut pictures I've been working on for quite a long time. Quite a long time. I'm not going to share the screen. Made that mistake earlier. Embarrassing. So the ox herding woodcuts are um, super duper interesting, I think. Um, now, we don't want Google Lens. Why would I? Why would I click that? So these, let me see if I can zoom in on them. These are a metaphor for teaching. Uh, in the Buddhist tradition. And this guy has added his own captions to them, but it's basically a metaphor of going out into the woods and seeking an ox. 
They're seeking a bull and then taming the bull. So it got me thinking about like, this is a metaphor for teaching debate. How would that metaphor play out in terms of things like um, a bull or, you know, what kind of sports would, would be referenced here? And I was just in Dallas. So I mean, I thought bull riding. And then I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'm mad at bullfighting. I was having a Mexican lunch in Dallas with my aunt and uncle. Went to the bathroom. The decor of the bathroom was old bullfighting posters. And I thought, yeah, this is the thing. This is great. This is it. Um, and this guy's, uh, this guy, um, Kouji Miki, is looking at them as a way of talking about innovation. I think that's right on. Good for him. And I think that, that uh, that's a great resource for innovation there, I, I would say. It's very, 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 very good. Um, I think that um, I'm using it to think about a way of thinking about teaching debate that's not connected to the things we teach debate to now, which I think are bad. So things like uh, preparing for life of labor and capitalism, uh, preparing for corporate uh, advancement, uh, I think you can get all of that while teaching debate as the powerful disruptive force that it could be. And, that, and that's why decision by debate is a bit of a, takes the wind out of the sails or bleaches. I don't like to use the term bleach, uh, not just because I like the anime, but um, I really do think it kind of sums it up, bleaching it out, bleaching out the good elements of it. Um, but yeah, anybody out there going to NCA? We could do an NCA. Live stream, I bet. That would be kind of fun. Do it do it in New Orleans, have some guests on. Could be good. Usually I do those as um Oh, I can play music. I can play video. Ooh. I can show a PowerPoint. Oh, this is great. I like this. This is good. I'm kind of glad I got this thing. Even though my view count's going way down, I gotta really pick up the pace here and figure out. I gotta pick up the Core S pace. Figure out how to attract people to stay with it. Losing them, losing them. It's that initial, that initial wave. No, it's not StreamYard. I, I looked at a number of different um, products and I was evaluating them and I decided to go with Restream. Uh, Restream allows you to use up to 30 social media platforms at once. Um, but I didn't, I didn't subscribe at that level, which is very expensive. I just subscribed at the, at the, um, at the cheap one, the cheap level. So, um, yeah, that's where I am. So no, not using StreamYard. Um, but I did look at StreamYard, but I picked this one's a little bit cheaper and it seemed like it would do the things I wanted it to do. And it was cheaper basically is what it was. So better streaming to the platforms I want, which is good. I wonder if I put a link in, in Discord, if people will. If people will join in, let's see. Oh, it's already linked there. Okay, cool. New video, new video. Huh. And a lot of people have joined my, um, my live stream from Discord, so Discord is obviously a failure. But no, not, not stream. StreamYard gave me, when I was in Sweden with Corey Pace, who's in the Twitch chat, I saw StreamYard and I thought, this is what I need for my podcast. This will be great. This is exactly what I need. Then I started shopping around and I found 
uh, Restream. I really like Restream. We're live with Restream. I think I'm going to edit the title. Let me edit this title. In the bin is the only and best podcast about debate and rhetoric heard worldwide and respected by some. That's the tagline I've used for years. Is this church services a religion or podcast and, and, uh, and talk show? Okay, great. Yeah, we got it. We got it. it. It changed all the destination titles. That's so good. That's easy. That's so easy. This is great. Very easy. I guess I could probably stream video games from here too, huh? If I wanted to do that. Now they really have time for that. Oh, I got a bunch of other stuff going on. You left some gold on Facebook. What gold is it, George Fitzpatrick, who just joins us on Twitch? George Fitzpatrick, longtime friend of the show. Um, we'll see if we can. Uh, we'll see if we can um, get George uh, to test one of our features here. George, are you on? Uh, are you on Discord right now? I don't know what you're doing. You might be in class. This is where the part. Is find love on the best dating site? I don't think so. Nope. Buried alive. Buried alive. Buried alive. God. That's such an emblematic scene. And then J.J. Abrams, who doesn't understand Star Trek one bit, um, ruined that. Ruined that that by um, having Spock say it, which is terrible. Well, we got our first, sixteen minutes in. We got our first big spam. Um, our first big spam uh, person. So, eh. Oh, okay. George's busy teaching. Probably. I was going to see if George wanted to join as a uh, as a guest. And try that out and see what that looks like. Um, no, Fitz is not spam. But, um, oh God, yeah, we don't want you on camera, George. No, definitely not. Why are you getting dressed at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, man? Oh. Uh, how did the softball game go? Go pretty well. Did you guys win? George is always playing softball in Brooklyn, so I always got to get an update from him. Uh, but anyway, welcome to the test stream in the bin, uh, the Global Rhetoric Debate podcast. Uh, oh, eight to seven loss. Fits, man, that's that's heartbreaking. That's what we call hashtag Mets style. Right there. Feeling good, feeling great, and then uh, end up just uh, with a very sad disappointment, last minute disappointment thing. Uh, anyway, AMA, uh, I'm just kind of testing this new software to see how it's going for when we relaunch in the bin. Coming up November 3rd will be our first full episode with the Canonical Debate Lab where we'll be talking about epistemic security with those guys who want to 
uh, use computer coding and software development to um, really change the way we think about argument and debate. Canonical Debate Lab, I've done shows with them before. We're doing a podcast together. We're thinking about relaunching a podcast. And uh, Canonical Debate Lab is fantastic. These guys are so smart. And they are um, really thinking uh, in really cool ways about debate and argumentation and how that works on the internet. So like Craig's question earlier about debate bros, you know, I, I think the debate bros are like, um, I think there's also some comfort in leaning on a set of rules and saying, um, these are the rules that good debate is based on and you're violating those rules. And I think that is always an argument. So the, one of the things that people don't realize is when you say, oh, you've broken the rules of debate, like you committed a fallacy, for example, probably one of the most popular things that people claim that other people, oh, you've made a fallacy. Okay, what does that mean? Well, for most people, it means you broke the rules. So you're like disqualified, I guess. Like, what are we supposed to do when some commits a fallacy? Stop listening to them? Stop engaging them? That seems like a huge disproportionate response. But I think that's the way a lot of teachers teach it is if somebody committed a fallacy, then they're an idiot. And we got to get them away from uh, our argumentative uh, sphere. Um, I think that um, uh, conversely, I think there's a good way of saying, well, let's look at all the arguments and let's diagram them. And then when people enter public debates over a long period of time, there would be a resource. A canonical debate lab is one of these places trying to do that. We'll have them on another good one is Society Library. Society Library is trying to map public debates. It's going to be a library of argument. Let me see if I can bring them up. Because uh, they also are a very interesting organization. Um, that tries to um, make information, I guess, liberate or democratize information might be the way to think about it. Um, and that's a really good thing about, you know, so like um, another aspect of Craig's question I think is interesting is that although the internet gets uh, venomized or, or, or vilified as being a bad place for debate or harmful debate or mostly bad debates happen there, I think there's a lot of really great positive stuff um, happening on the internet in terms of thinking about how to use this amazing resource uh, to help people learn and understand the issues or the data or the evidence behind these big public policy questions, big public policy questions. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think now it's just the St. John's debate show. I think it's only Corey and, and George are here. So <laughs> good times. We could play one of George's old debate videos on the stream. How do you feel about that? Just got an important text message. It's the global debate show. It's true. The global debate show. International love, baby. All right, let's play with a few more of these features since this is a test stream, and I might even delete this one. We can uh, we can play some background music. How's that going? 
cover band show. Welcome to International Love, the Global Debate Podcast Show. I don't want it too loud. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, Lo-fi might be good. kind of a nightmare but I don't know if this really suits in the bin I don't know ambient might be good might put people to sleep though There we go. That might be pretty good. We'll leave that on for a minute and see if people like it. I don't think people are going to like it, but uh, if I have free background music, I might as well test it out, right? Might as well test it out and see what people think of it. I could design my own graphics and put them up. Oh, that's great. Probably should do that. Get some donos. Thank you for the sub. Chief Fitzpatrick, 14, thank you for the sub. One love. Aquarius Pace, thank you for the sub. See, I got to practice. I got to be, I got to get, you know, quick on that, you know? Um, got to get quick on that. Well, what else can I test here? What I really need to do is find somebody to make an intro, like a rolling video introing the podcast. I think that would be good. Um, to have somebody kind of come in and uh, and kind of take some B-roll. And I have a bunch of B-roll already uh, out there uh, that I've taken of like St. John's and New York and stuff and kind of make an in-the-bin, uh, you know, an in-the-bin trailer, you know, because we still got the, the theme music. <laughs> we all know this, right? That's pretty good theme music, I think. And then there's other theme music I bought too that I have that could be used for various purposes. Um, but I like that in the bin title, uh, theme music. I think it's quite good. Um, let's see. People are sending me messages. Always a good time. Always a good time. So yeah, what other what other questions do you guys have? What other things should we talk about on this test stream? Anything rhetoric? Anything um, argument? Um, my latest uh, research essay has come out. I can share that with you. Um, I didn't really want to do it. Um, I did not want to write this piece. I'm still a little bit sketched out by it, but um, I can I can share it with you. Uh oh, what happened to 
What happened to the studio, man? Where'd it go? Okay, here we go. I'm always a little frightened that I might. Um, no, I haven't. Uh, George is asking a very good question. Have I read Where and Linkugel yet? This was something that we talked about in the office a while ago about um, thinking about, uh, what is it, um, crisis management? Is that what it was, George? Something like that? Like, in a speech, how do you manage bad things? What are the steps you have to do when something really bad happens to your brand or your company or to you? How do you manage that? And uh, yeah, apologia, but I, I think it might even go beyond the bounds of apologia because apologia is traditionally thought of as a rhetorical form of a speech of self-defense. So when we think of that, speeches that come to mind would be things like Chappaquiddick, Kennedy, um, Nixon, maybe, checkers. Do you think, that's a hot question. Do you think Nixon's checkers speech is an apologia? It's a hot, hot rhetoric uh, topic right there. I, I think you could, I think you make that claim. I don't know if I would. Um, and I think that's a pretty good one. And then uh, Bill Clinton with his Lewinsky speech. What else? There's got to be a number of good uh, apologia speeches. What's his name? That really sleazy guy who ran for vice president with John Kerry? What was that kid's name? Super sleazy guy. Um, he was a South Carolina senator, I think. Can't remember his name. Kerry. Mm, I wish I could see that campaign button from 2004. Oh, yeah, John Edward. He's terrible. God, he was so gross. John Edward's not the psychic. Thank you, Fitz. Um, yeah, just terrible. Terrible all around. But yeah, apologia, political self-defense, but brand uh, damage and brand imaging and things like that um, could be broader than that. Would be broader than that. Do not know. But yeah, I need to read that. You're right. I probably should read that pretty soon. Who knows when? I also got to fix the lighting in here. Yeah, there we go. That's better. A little bit better. Some of my fake background is a little you know gets a little fuzzy from time to time but um i don't glad the picture looks good glad everything looks good i don't know about this background music yeah crisis calm i think that this is a good comment from fitz here crisis calm um is a whole different thing and actually i would say this is the most uh, the most excitement, the most buy-in in American communication departments at universities, at four-year universities, is in what we call crisis comm, which is also rebranded as strategic communication, which I, I feel is like kind of a dumb thing to call it because like, what communication would not be strategic? Like, like if you're trying to get a point across to somebody or trying to share information with somebody, you have a strategy of how you're going to approach them. You know, I really want this person to do this. I really want them to believe me. I really want the, okay, how am I going to approach them? Okay, I know they like this. I know that they hate that. So I'm going to associate the information in ways that are strategic. Um, so I think that um, 
strategic comm is just such a university name, isn't it? Like the university is like, the university is like that friend of yours who's like, oh yeah, I get it. And then they try really hard to do the cool thing and they, they like fail in a way that shows you they don't really get it at all, but they were so close and you don't really know what to say to them. Like this is what universities do all the time. It's like embarrassingly bad. Um, but they you know, they try, it's like, but the thing is the university can be lazy in it's brand control because there's no competitor. There's no reasonable competitor to the four year degree yet, yet, uh, in the next 10 years, it'll be an open marketplace. But right now, universities don't have to, they only compete against each other. And not even in a, not even in a true competitive fashion, do they compete against each other? Um, it's still pretty open. Like I live in New York city, very competitive university environment, but everybody seems to be doing okay. There's enough for everybody. Might not be the case when we have, you know, in a couple of years, 2024, we have what's called the birth crisis or the, um, uh, the birth rate decline crisis. So, uh, with that, you're going to have the total amount of traditional college age students is down 15%. That makes it a little more competitive. But I think if you're competing against other universities, it's not hard to argue against them. It's not hard to make yourself look better against them. It really isn't. They're not doing a good job either. Universities are really notoriously bad about this. But when that marketplace opens to other kinds of products that compete with the four-year degree in terms of hireability, marketability, um, proof that you have skills. I mean, most employers now are like, oh yeah, a four-year degree is just the baseline. We're not going to assume you have any skills. We're going to retrain you. So it might just move into the corporate offices where they hire university professors and say, teach communication. I've already gotten offers like that in my consulting business. I do offers like that where people are like, you know, teach our C-level or B-level executives how to make a PowerPoint. We'll pay you 15 grand for a Saturday workshop. Okay, great. That's easy, right? Um, good money and a, a corporate money is always is much, much better pay than university money for sure. Even with tenure, tenure just protects you politically. It doesn't really come with a um, salary scale but it means you can write and publish about whatever you'd like, which is great, but um, it doesn't really come with any money. So like Taylor and Francis published, they just published my recent uh, piece here. I'll share it with you. Why not? This is my most recent research here, uh, which I am not uh, a fan of. I kind of wish I hadn't published it to be honest, but it's doing a favor to a friend of mine. But anyway, you look at this and it's like, oh yeah, I'd like to read this. This looks, looks good. Purchase options, $47 for 48 hours of access, a dollar an hour. I don't see any of that, right? So what is Taylor and Francis being paid to do? They're being paid to hit print to PDF. That's what I think. Uh, and I don't understand why as academics we put up with this. I think it's, I think it's absolute trash. Absolute trash, you know? So you look at this, $120 for 30 days access. And, you know, you can buy tokens, just like Fortnite or something, and buy academic articles. It's just such a scam. Like, they didn't even really edit it. Like, there's mistakes in it. They didn't even really edit it. So what exactly is Taylor and Francis being paid to do here? Like, academic publishing is just garbage, right? Hopefully that'll go away as things change. Um, I mean, I hope it does. But yeah, um, but anyway, this is my latest stuff. It's in uh, Argumentation Advocacy. Go check it out if you would like to read about Lacan and debate, which I know you do. Everybody loves that. 
Everybody loves that. I was a little bit of a rant there. Yeah, I agree, Fitz. I agree. Um, reading off of a PowerPoint does not PowerPoint make. Why do people do that? Why do people read off the PowerPoint? It makes the worst presentations. Why are people reading off PowerPoints? Why do people do that? Does anybody have any insight on that? I don't really understand. This music is way too peaceful. I'm going to choose future pop. Oh, there we go. Welcome to today's Marketing Insider Podcast. Would you like to grow your small business quickly and easily using online video? Stay tuned to find out how. Marketing expert and communication consultant Steve Yano has three easy tips help you and your business thrive in the competitive online marketplace. Stay tuned. Yeah, this isn't really future pop. This is corporate, corporate jazz. Can you guys hear that okay? Or is it too loud? Or what would you say about the background music? Thoughts about the background music, please? I'm gonna choose chill now. That's chill? That's like a two and a half star elevator song. Two and a half star hotel elevator. This isn't chill. I don't know. Let me go without the background music, to be honest. But what did you guys think about the background music? Do we have any comments about the background music? Was it decent? Um, too loud, too soft, crappy. I don't know. I don't know what you might think. Eh, he doesn't even know. Toasty. It's okay, George. It's okay, Fitz. It's okay. I think Twitch is the most popular platform here. I don't think anybody's watching. Some people were watching on LinkedIn, and one person was in the left, switched platforms. Somebody was on YouTube. But I think Twitch might be the place where people really want to... Uh, want to hang out right oh yeah <coughs> oh i have all my drop-ins that's one of the things about restream is i was surprised they don't have a digital um a digital drop-in board i was very surprised by that i was getting linkedin chats though i was getting linkedin chats yeah, uh, you couldn't put chats in the LinkedIn uh, live stream. That's wild. Well, I'm waiting uh, patiently. I'm gonna check my Gmail again because I'm not really that patient. Waiting patiently. You two had no chat, huh? Really? No chat on YouTube, huh? Let's take a look. I gotta mute it though, because we don't want anything weird. Oh, there's a chat there. 
Yeah. I have a chat. I don't know um, if I have to enable it in the settings or something, but I have a chat in YouTube. I'm looking at it right now. That video quality is not too bad. I think it's going through at 720 would be my guess. Um, I feel like um, that's that's okay. Um, but yeah. Geo blocked your chat. Oh, dang. Why would it do that? How can we, um, is there a way I can make it to be, I guess they're like if you're foreign, but anyway, that uh, Chinese spammer got in no problem. So I don't know. Fitz is trying to start an international incident. <clears throat> We're gonna put this up here for posterity just to make sure that when he does attempt to visit Sweden that the border guards ask him a lot of questions. What do you mean by this? Do we not join NATO fast enough for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another angry email from the dean. Um, turning your midterm grades. I guess I probably better do that today. Doing a little writing. Tomorrow, more writing. Oh, God, yeah. Fitz is really trying to get blocked from Sweden here, isn't he? You know, there's one thing that Swedish people really appreciate, and that's the Swedish chef. They don't find that to be, like, offensive at all. That's one thing that they love. They absolutely love the Swedish chef. They're like, what a great representation of our culture. I'm in. I'm 100% in on the Muppets. 1,000% in on the Muppets, baby. I'm going to put a, um, a glorified ad in my... Um, Uh, let's see. Check out my YouTube stream. Oh, wait, that's not my, my uh, thingy. I don't know why it's not picking up when I'm streaming. That's kind of interesting. Discord usually goes into streaming mode. Uh, and um, when you go into streaming mode, uh, it'll, it'll say something on the screen like, oh, you're, stream you're live streaming now, so we're going to shut these features off so you don't... Your stream doesn't get interrupted. Um, I think that um, that's a pretty good feature Discord has. It's not doing it. I guess maybe because I'm using Restream. All right, good night, Corey. Good to see you. Always great to have you on the stream. Uh, we'll have to do it in the bin. Do you think it would be possible to do a, a Stockholm reactor in the bin crossover somewhere? Please put that in the back burner. Start start cooking that. Start start cooking that. Um, yeah. We'll see if anybody from my Discord pops in here now. Uh, okay, yes, absolutely. Well done, Corey. Thank you so much. And, uh, Microsoft Reactor on YouTube. Excellent, excellent stream for all of your coding, developmental needs, everything. Really, 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 really good. 
Um, go check it out. They have a YouTube channel. They're on Twitch as well, I think. Corey can correct me. Pop a link up there, Corey. I'll put it on the on the lower third there before you go to bed. He's probably falling asleep already. It's like, it's the middle of the dang night over there in ding dang dong, Sweden. Middle of the ding dang dong night. Uh, let's see if anybody pops in here from the old uh, discrod. Oh yeah, put your put your. Oh, it got blocked. Look at that. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go find it, aren't I? Look at look at Twitch actually working and blocking a URL. <laughs> right, even after I ask, like I troll my own chat and be like, "Oh yeah, post that link up there," and then like the auto the auto spam thing. Is it on? Is the is it on a uh, uh, Twitch or on YouTube, Corey? Where, where, what's the you, uh, what's the channel? You could put the channel name. Is it Stockholm Reactor? Something like that. On YouTube? Okay. We'll put uh, Corey's stream up here. Oh, nice. Microsoft Reactor 1, we just did a stream on Rust? Dude, that's awesome. That's great. I got to check that out. <laughs> it's very cool. Welcome to Microsoft Reactor. Why join Reactor? Blah, 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 blah. Data services, meetup. My breath is really, really bad right now. I'll be glad that you're just on the stream with me. I'm smelling it and it's not pleasant. I'm just being honest with my audience. It is not good. Oh, there we go. Look at that. Yeah, I got it. I'm going to put it up as a... Uh, over third here. This isn't really, you know, um, rhetoric. I guess, I don't know, is it rhetoric? Yeah, there you go, there's a link. Take a screenshot of that. Wrap your eyeballs around that when you're done watching me now. <laughs> um, I'm glad you appreciate the honesty. It's very nice. Very, 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 very nice. Well, this is going really well. I'm really, um, I'm really kind of happy about how this is going. Um, yeah, that's right. There is some, there is some fit, fits magic in the chat, baby. That's right. Word of muffins. Uh, on Twitch, joining us. Thank you for uh, watching. Appreciate you watching the uh, 
the uh, test stream here. But yeah, we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch this video and see about um, Corey's Microsoft uh, recent Microsoft presentation. Corey Pace works for Microsoft Sweden, and he's a good friend of the show and a former St. John's debate superstar. Very good guy. Good guy. Absolutely. So we've had a number of people come in here and check out the stream. This is great. Um, thoughts about the quality? Always uh, welcome. Um, let's see if we can get some students in here. I mean, like, where's my grade? Because I should be grading right now. But instead, I'm, like, screwing around with this. Of course, he's a very good presenter. He's doing uh, some uh, tutorials on Rust. Very good, I think. I love old coffee. One of my favorite things. Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, do you, I mean, it is kind of windy up here anyway, but you assume I'm on top of a skyscraper. Um, um, what actually this image is, is I went in for an MRI on my knee and things went horribly wrong. And my legs are, are really long now. Really long. I think the fourth is obvious. I mean, we're talking about a, um, a Mount Rushmore for St. John's debate. The fourth is obvious. It's got to be Ken Newby. Absolutely, no question. He's done more for St. John's debate than I ever did. McKen Newby's been on In the Bin many, many times. I don't know. He's not our most frequent. On In the Bin history, who's the most frequent guest? Wonder if we could figure this out. This is the topic of conversation for this part of the show. A little bin trivia. Who's the most frequent guest in the bin history? Who's been on the podcast more than anybody else? Who would you say that would be? Uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I think that's a good guess. Would be Kate, but is Kate really a guest? Kate's like a co-host, right? John Patrick, maybe? Yeah. No, George is not a guest, but there was a time when George was so incredibly busy that he could only do, um, like, little fits moments. What do we call those things? Little fits thoughts that we were pre, pre-recorded little bits. You remember that, Fitz? Or we'd bring, we'd pre-record you giving a take on something going on in debate, in competitive debate, in tournaments. And then I would, I would put that in in post. It wasn't live, but it sounded like it was a live part of the show. Um, so yeah, who's the most frequent guest? That's a good question. We had, um, you know, the easy answer would be say Tuna, but we had Tuna on only, I think only twice. But you can, he just like would feel, you feel his, his um, intense debate aura like coming into the show, even if he wasn't on it. 
Um, but like, oh, you know who I, I think I, I think I know who it, who it is now that I'm thinking about the show. I have a guess, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold mine off until we're done guessing who it might be. Yeah, that's a good point, George. Um, Will, Will was on the show many, many times, but he wasn't ever really a guest, but maybe twice where I interviewed him. Uh, Will provided us a lot of insight on the show about what it was like to do uh, collegiate debate tournaments uh, during the pandemic, during the lockdown. What was that like? Doing tournaments on Discord and things like that. All the crazy, all the crazy stopgap methods that they tried to do to um, have debate tournaments during lockdown when you couldn't get, couldn't all get together. So that was kind of weird. Like, why would you want to have a debate tournament? Why wouldn't you just reimagine what that competition would be? Why wouldn't you just reimagine it? Hmm? I think I'm tempted to go look at Facebook and see if anybody's like making comments over there that I'm not seeing. If people are making comments over there that I'm just not seeing. Yeah, there's lots of, lots of them. Look at that. Lots of likes. Oh, look at that. Ooh, no, go away. That was a little weird. Sorry about that. I wonder if there's a way I can like read these without. Um, yeah, lots of people liked it. Lots of people liked it. Um, we'll have to see. I wonder if I can look at it and mute it. There we go. Now I can look at it. How can you afford that studio? Says Steve D'Amico. Holy shit. What roof are you on? Um, 13 likes. My sister liked it, but didn't say anything. The hell? Yeah, I think um, I was going to, I think the answer might be um, uh, Brent from Cusid. Brent Schmidt, who was longtime Canadian University Society of uh, Intercollegiate Debate, I think is what it stands for. Cusid, Brent Schmidt, I think was our most, uh, most appearances as guest, I think, I think because we always brought him in to talk about things like, because remember there's so much controversy going on. Hannah's not a guest. Hannah was OG. Hannah Herman. She's OG. She's one of the first people I asked to do the show with me when I was putting it together. Besides you Fitz, you know, but that's like the original core setup. I wanted diversity in lots of different ways. So I, um, I thought your sandwich break was over muffins uh it's just like why did i even dignify that by putting that on the screen good lord yeah hannah herman uh samwise natalie dear samwise um you um so good so there's so many good people in there and then we actually also had um Really good times back then. It was a really, really good uh, original crew. And then people got real lives, you know? And people moved on. Uh, so, kind of annoying. People had real lives and real jobs, and they couldn't dedicate their lives to a podcast where they didn't get paid for anything they did. It was kind of annoying. But, um, yeah. I was a pretty good in the bin trivia question, I think. Pretty good. Gotta put in my Ko-Fi link. What if people? What if people really like 
what I'm doing here. I don't want to miss out on like money. You know? I'm going to try this uh, ticker. Like the podcast? Cool. Oh, that's cool. Look at that little news ticker. It, unless that's annoying. Do you think people might find that annoying? I don't know. I do think this is true. I think this is a good comment um, from Muffins. I think Tuna was talked about quite a bit. But, you know, if you remember, we had Brent Schmidt on the show many, many, many times because there was so much drama about um, a couple of events uh, that were going. One of the big dramas was the the North American championship. And then there was also the, the um, faux North American championship, which probably was the real North American championship at BP, which was the, which was Eric's tournament uh, at um, Hobart and William Smith college, the round Robin, the, uh, it was the idea round Robin, but then it got another name. I forget what the other name of it was, but that was that invitational only round Robin tournament that functioned like the NDT. Like if you won a particular international tournament, like Oxford, you would get an automatic invitation to participate at the round robin in um, uh, in uh, Hobart and William Smith up in uh, Geneva, New York, the thriving metropolis of Geneva, New York. I wonder how many people went to that and they're like, dude, we're going to debate tournament in New York. And they were like, where are all the people? There's four buildings in downtown Geneva. One of them sometimes has food. Like, I bet they were like crazy surprised at Geneva, New York thinking, you know, these Australian teams and European German teams and Austrian teams, whoever was invited, British teams, they're probably like, whoa, how far are we from New York City? Really? But that tournament's quality was, I, I've never heard anybody disparage the the quality of the Hobart and William Smith round robin ever back in those days. I, I'm so out of debate now, I really couldn't tell you what it is today, even if it's still um, happening. But um, I think that... Um, that tournament somehow just became good. I remember, you know, it's the same thing with USU university. What is that called? USU's what that stand for university. Sus. So university sands university, us university. So what did USU stand for? I can't remember this. Oh, I can't remember. USU stands for something. Anyway, university. That was like the big national tournament. And it would run in the spring. And I remember being in line for food at one of the early ones. And some Yale debaters were like, oh, yes, U.S. University's debating championship. Right. Okay. Thank you, Fitz. This is why we have Fitz around. This is exactly right. So university, U.S. University's debating championship. I remember when it was new. I remember being in line for food and these Yale debaters were um, shit-talking it, for lack of, better, of a better word. Really, really, really talking it down. And they were saying, this is just a place where we send our novices to kind of show them the ropes because it's like pretty big and they can encounter some good teams, but it's not a serious, 
not a serious tournament. Um, but then it suddenly became a very serious tournament. Over time, it became like one where people were like, okay, this is really an important thing to win. How that happened, I don't know. I think it's just the goldfish memories of people, you know? Um, and then people are new and they come along. Um, I think this would be exceedingly popular. You know, do you know how many times in USU executive committee meetings we discussed a Vegas tournament? And also, um, you should know that there was a fairly serious bid being put together uh, to have Worlds, the WUDC in Vegas. Fairly serious bid being put together years ago. I think that's all long gone now. Uh, in my opinion, COVID kind of destroyed university debating in the United States. I don't think we really fully understand what COVID did to that. Just in the same way it's destroyed the hotel industry and the travel industry and stuff. Air, air travel is bouncing back, but I think a Vegas tournament of some kind would be uh, really brilliant. And I think it, I thought it was an amazing way to think about how to do a USU um, in the United States. What would be a city that would have the capacity to host that many people that easily and still have enough conference space and classroom space? UNLV would probably be recruited to be part of that bid. I don't know if they were, I don't know what level the discussions went to. I wasn't privy to any discussions with UNLV or anything other than being in a room where people were like, this would be something that would be a great bid to put together for worlds. Um, and that, that conversation was taken quite seriously. And I know that a, a document was being created to make that pitch to the world universities debate council. I think that'd be great. LD tournament would be great. Vegas would be a great place to Vegas would be a great place to have debate sports, right? Like, you know, do you remember this thing for a long time ago? There was this, um, you probably don't remember this, Craig, but you might. There was this thing, the professional debate league. What did they call that? And they they would sell DVDs. Um is this it? Was this it? This can't be it. This looks too professional for the people I was thinking about. Surely not. Um, speech and debate simplified. Now that is a trick. If you can, if you're making the challenge that you uh, could simplify what happens at speech and debate tournaments, my God, more power to you. I don't think I can get more simple. You know, follow the, follow the, uh, oh, look at this. This is recent. Become a professional. Wait, 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 wait. So the professional speech and debate association is not for extant professionals. It makes them. I kind of want to go to this fits. Fits. We got to go. You and me, baby. In the bin live from the Professional Speech and Debate Association. Can you imagine? That'd be great. Can you imagine what that would be like? Live from lovely, livable Las Vegas, Nevada. This is In the Bin Special Edition from the Professional Speech and Debate Association World Championships. In the Bin is available on anchor.fm slash in the bin, youtube.com slash Steve Yano, and on twitch.tv slash sophistic Steve. 
like the podcast, support us at ko-fi.com slash tvauto. Hello and welcome everybody to this year's 2022 Professional Speech and Debate Association Championship. I'm Dr. Steve Yano and we've got a great night of exciting debate action on the card here from Las Vegas, Nevada. That's just a trial. It might not be that exciting. Um, great. I'm glad Fitz is in. You, it's happened here first. I guess I can't. I guess I can't delete the. Um, I can't can't delete the stream now because we got the record here. How do we register? Let's take a look. How much does it cost? <laughs> what? No, it can't be five hundred dollars. Can I host one of these things? Oh, fifty dollars. Okay, that I can do fifty dollars. I can do fifty dollars. That seems reasonable. I could do that. It depends on where it is. I wonder where I wonder where it would go. I would love to host one in New York. And the Ben hosts the professional speech and debate uh tournament. What will we call it? The Wormy Apple Classic. The Wormy Apple Classic debate comp- professional debate competition. Dude. Dude, this is so awesome. Take a bite of the wormy apple. That'd be it. That would be that would be a great competition. Toasty. I'd be all down for that. I don't know, Craig. Uh, yeah, people did it for money, but you know what was interesting was the the model for that. And I wish I could find. I'm gonna have to do a deep dig on that because that's interesting debate history because it was designed to make money, and that professional league was to try to get coaches. Uh, together who were famous, well-known debate coaches to debate in hotel rooms in different places. And then they would film it and sell the DVDs. And that was the way that they were going to make revenue to support it was to sell the DVDs or to try to get people to come and judge. And I remember very famously, they got the Ross Smith, who's the RIP late, great, amazing uh, Wake Forest debate director for so many years. Ross Smith, who was just a wonderful guy. Everybody who knew him thought he was great. Uh, he agreed to do it and that was a huge deal and they really pumped that up. I remember seeing so many emails about how I watched Roth Smith spread somebody out on the high school topic in a hotel room in Nebraska or wherever they were. And then they were going to film those and then sell those DVDs. And uh, it just really collapsed. It wasn't really, there was another professional debate league that was like, um, you know, at, at Worlds, they have this thing called the Masters at the World University Debate Championships. And the Masters is open to anybody who's not registered as a student, anybody can enter the master's competition and debate. And uh, the master's is just this kind of crazy, usually it's kind of a shit show, but it's kind of this crazy, um, crazy debate uh, contest for people who are like, can't give up the ghost really. And don't want to register for more um, courses. There were some people who were like 35 still debating in the main break. But when I was doing debate, I thought it was wild. I'm like, I mean, I like debate too, but not that much. I also like having a job and, you know, being able to do other things in my life. But some people were really obsessed with it in an unhealthy way. Um, but yeah, I kind of want to host Professional Speech and Debate Association. If you're out there, I would love to host one of your competitions. Hit me up in the bin. We'll host. We'll do it on our Manhattan campus. It can't be that many people. Like we could do it at the Manhattan campus, I think. 
there's plenty of classrooms and and uh there's space to have coffee and have a, a dinner we could have a guest speaker maybe george could do it george george could be the guest speaker what i learned from debate by fitz what i've learned by being a successful podcast co-host by fitz fitz had some great experiences at tournaments of people wanting to like um take pictures with him or something i remember this story when in the bin was like when people really cared about it back in the day back in the dizzy i wonder how long this is going to go before it cuts me off i think i can just stream as long as i want and then i guess i can download the saved i think i have like a total of six hours so i can download the saved video file and then post it somewhere else so i might just repost this to anchor and just double dip why not you know because then anchor will go to spotify and that could be good too Yeah, lots of people are really liking the stream on Facebook, but they're not like, they're not like interacting. Kind of wild. Maybe it's like a bad time. Maybe later on in the evening, people would be more active. I think right now my Discord is not very active because everybody's in class, you know? So, um, I get Lavery in here. It would be good if he would uh, if he would join because I'd like to get his opinion. What else can we talk about, folks? We're wide open. We've been going for much longer than I thought this test stream would go. But it's all, all interesting stuff. I'm looking forward to NCA and presenting um, um, three papers in uh, lovely, livable New Orleans. Um, a paper on Zelensky, a paper on uh, the paper I'm supposed to be writing right now to send respondent on um the new rhetoric and uh then i'm presenting oh, oh uh, i'm talking about my paper that's in the 30th anniversary book on invitation rhetoric the foss and griffin panel that should be good that panel will be the sleeper panel that will bring the thunder right i was thinking about what panel will bring the thunder will bring the controversy that you know anytime foss and griffin show up and do their invitational rhetoric thing it always brings in like a lot of, a lot of um People show up to, to hate, you know. It's pretty funny. I don't know if I like this uh, ticker thing. I wish it would. Uh, I wish it would. Um, I think wish it would just like put something up and then have it go away and then put something else up and then have it go away. Like to go through a um, like a timer, you know. It would be cool if it was on a timer and it would just disappear and a new one would show up. But maybe that's like deeper in the lore here, deeper in the magic. Uh, and I don't really know how to do it. Could be in the case. Oops. Lighting. Don't tell me lighting. So that's the problem. I can't really see the lighting controls here. So. Off. You just slide it. Oh, come on now. 
Eh, I got to memorize my lighting controls because this is like pushing it back physically. It's just not as cool as uh, other ways of doing it or other things could do with it. So anyway, and then been test stream successful so far. I wonder if anybody else is going to turn up. I think we had our, our big boost of, uh, of uh, attendees. Yeah, it might be actually time to go and do some work now. Mm, not fun. Not fun at all. I might actually go have to go and write. But um, I got to go and find what that old organization was called, that old professional debate organization. But it really was, it was more of like entertainment because it was like watching the um, the debate coaches debate. That was old. That was before the worlds, before there was a worlds or whatever you want to call it, USU's before that. Uh, other exciting news, any day now I should get an email about the new debate journal that I'm putting together. It's been taking a long time. Very long time for the university library to approve my idea. John Reef and I submitted that to them in like April or May, and uh, they're still hemming and hawing. They sent it back to us for some corrections, and uh, we were like, well, this could have easily been done in June, but whatever. People don't like to work in the summer, I guess. I, I get it. But uh, that hopefully will have a call for papers. And then we can use in the bin as a, a place to talk to our authors, particularly young authors. Like one of the one of the goals of this new journal, uh, studies and debate debate in oratory. Um, one of the goals is to take graduate student work and try to give them a platform to um, try to reach out with bigger scholarship. And I try to do this in other ways. And you know, uh, you know, scholars of rhetoric and NCA do not take debate seriously one bit. They think it's like embarrassingly bad, and sometimes it is. I can get where they're coming from. But the value in debate comes from making it into something, not just winning debates, winning trophies, or saying, I have the best debate team in the country. Who cares? What did your debate students become? What do they do with that practice is the proper rubric. And I think NCA is missing a huge opportunity there by, you know, with the attitude of like, oh, yeah, debate's just like a kid's game and it's like ridiculously dumb and, you know, whatever. It's kind of embarrassing. It's almost like pornography. It's like the magazine shoved under the bed that you don't want people to know that you look at. That's why any debate panels always like Salon Double J and the Overflow Hotel. You know, Salon H in the Sheraton. It's like two blocks away. That's how NCA treats it. It's really a shame. But I've had uh, numerous panels of undergraduate debates that I've tried to do at my own expense. It's not like NCA was paying for it. Where I'd bring undergraduates to debate at NCA and NCA, all the reviewers are like, that's what we need. We need new blood. We need the influence of young people. And then uh, some vice president nixes it. Right? They're like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, garbage, man. Garbage. But if I close my Facebook, this turns down to zero viewers. Okay, good. There's still somebody left. But um, yeah, I might have to jump back on here again tomorrow. That'd be fun. Not going to look as good as this, though be pretty bad i'll have to do it on my laptop i'll be i'll be somewhere else but this is pretty fun so november 3rd is the relaunch date of um in the bin and that is when we're going to have our um canonical debate lab folks on and it's going to be really great this is just kind of a test but uh, i think it's going pretty well pretty good test 
Pretty good. We chatted about a lot, didn't we? Over the last hour and a half. Chatted about a lot of things. Still happy to chat further if, uh, if there's anything else we need to talk about. I should look up, before we go, I should look up that debate organization. That, that defunct. That defunct debate organization. It's from long ago. No, that's a, these are all his lectures. Hmm, interesting. There's all kinds of weird debate archives out there that I gotta go look at. Um, yeah, I wonder what happened to those. I wondered, I wonder what happened to those because I know that they did this debate series. It's like the Pro Debate League or something, but it was invitation only. It was debate coaches, high, it was college debate coaches debating the high school topic. So if that sounds familiar to anybody out there, I'd love a heads up on that. Um, Yeah, I wonder what I wonder what that was about. I wonder what it was called, and I wonder if those things still exist out there. Don't know if those DVDs still exist or any kind of videos of those things exist because that would be kind of um, it's an interesting moment in debate history. I acquired one of my colleagues passed away in COVID, and uh, he was quite an old guy, and he had done seated debate in the eighties, coach seated debate in the eighties, and he had studied under um, George Zigamuller at Wayne State. Zigamuller is his advisor his dissertation and uh when he passed away i got his office you know because this is the way things go it's very much like the royal family in academia and i got the office bump and in that office i found a um a disc of a uh a powerpoint celebrating um ziggy miller's retirement i think and it has a lot of photos and stuff good debate history on there pretty interesting stuff i wonder if somebody be interested in seeing that or maybe i should put it on youtube not exactly sure what the proper thing to do with it is, but um, it would be interesting for those who know debate history. There are a few people who've made tremendous impact in the way American debate is conducted at both at the university level, college level, at the community college level, at the high school level. But there are very few people who've done it at all three. George Zigamuller is one. Who else could we name who's in that category? John Sexton, probably. Um... Who are those educators who've made huge impact? Tuna. Tuna's up there with them, I'd say. Another is a Mueller student. Well, he didn't do his dissertation there. He did in Kansas, but... Um, it's also his dissertation is very strange. He sent it to me. Tuna sent it to me years ago, and it was like 90 pages or something because I wanted to take a look at it because I was interested, like I still am, in this question of his debate at primarily a game. This 1960 question, he, um, 1916 question. He said he had written about it, but this is like a very strange kind of take he had on it. It wasn't really what I was doing at all. So I looked at it and I thought, hmm, okay. Not for me. Um, James Unger, I guess, would be another figure like that. Unger was famous, the Georgetown debate director, and he did all these videos. 
I bet they're up on YouTube. I think they are up on YouTube. And Unger was like a guy who, um, uh, where is he? Who cares about Dr. Oz and Fetterman? Who gives a crap? It's just terrible. Anna Kasparian debated Ben Shapiro. Oh, my God. That's also terrible. Like, yeah, I think you're, I think Craig is right with that question he asked like over an hour ago. It's like these debate bro people are um, absolutely awful. They set up these terrible debates. And... Um, ugh. That's not coming up. Well, there were all these debates I saw, these very interesting um, debate videos where Unger would be um, interviewing um, debate people. He interviewed Joe Rollins. He interviewed other young, at the time, young uh, debate coaches um, about different theoretical things. But what was really, really interesting is... Um, how much influence his pamphlets. He wrote these pamphlets from the NTC. Um, I can find those. From the NTC, let's see. Shh, shh, shh. I'm always hearing knocking and I'm wondering if people are like knocking on my door. You never know. It's kind of weird. You think they would buzz my buzzer because I live in an apartment. But I always hear this bang. But I think it's my upstairs neighbor cooking. Y'all have to find these because I have a bunch of these um, handouts. And uh, maybe I can do a podcast about those. I'll just scan them in and we can take a look at them. So I think those would be pretty fun. Um, but Yeah. That could be a lot of fun to do that at some point. I'll have to go take a look at them next time I'm in the office, which won't be till Monday. Um, all right. Well, I think it's time for me to end the stream and go uh, take a break, do something else. I got to do some writing, actually. That's what I really need to do. Got to get prepared for NCA. Uh, but anyway, thanks for watching. Thanks for watching this. Even if you're watching on a VOD or something, we'll do, um, looks like Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern will be the live in the bin sessions with different guests and stuff and uh, check it out on either on Twitch or on YouTube or on LinkedIn. You can watch it from pretty much anywhere. Really, really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us and uh, taking the time out of your day to watch this. If you're watching it on delay and uh, if you're watching this on anchor.fm, the live version is on youtube.com slash or twitch.tv slash sophistic t steve every thursday at 11 a.m well most thursdays most every thursday i don't want to say every because then i'll be accused of lying but uh thanks again for watching and we'll see you on the next one